today probably more so than many times our message and our worship are one by that I mean maybe you've been at a church where they use the worship to prepare you for the message and, and that's okay I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that but actually it's well there is a little something wrong with that theology because the worship shouldn't prepare us for the message if we are created to worship him then the message should prepare us for worship so today though the message and the worship are, are, are really one so so can we just go into what God has for us is that okay because I'm excited about where God is taking us today so take your Bibles out with me and turn to Mark chapter 7 verses 31 through 37 yeah and as you're turning there let me just remind you of epicenter's theme for 2018 just hang on for a second I'm gonna have you seated just as soon as I read this word epicenter's theme for 2018 is together we can somebody shout together we can somebody look at your neighbor and high-five them and say together we can now let me read the narrative to you and then we'll come back and unpack it here's what happens beginning in chapter 7 of mark verse 31 it says then jesus left the vicinity of tyree and went through sidon down to the sea of galilee and into the region of the decapolis there some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk and they begged jesus to place his hand on him somebody say some people i want you to circle that we're going to come back to that circle that some people everybody say some people look at verse 33 after he took him aside away from the crowd Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears then he spit and touched the man's tongue he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh he said to him that word which means be open verse 35 at this the man's ears were opened and his tongue was loosened and he he began to speak plainly hang on a second look at the curious methodology that is used for the display of the miraculous verse 36 Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone but the more he did so the more they kept talking about it people were overwhelmed with amazement he has done everything well they said he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak hold on a second so when you have the DNA of the supernatural coming into contact with the natural problems uh, of man let me say that again when you have the DNA of the su supernatural coming into contact with the natural the problems of man there was a shift in his being at that moment when his tongue was loose because he could hardly speak and the deafness that he he could could not hear a thing it's now gone why because one touch from the Savior caused the bondage of deafness to be gone and when he could hardly speak now he's using that tongue to bring praise one touch from the Savior loosed him from the bondage that had held him down for so long and the Bible says that everyone around him began to praise God because God does everything well not too long ago I preached a message called praise for others not pray for others but praise for others you might need a miracle in your life today but your ability to praise for someone else might cause heaven to open up on their behalf so can somebody let out a praise 
for somebody else because God does everything well. Give him an exceedingly well praise. Mm. Be, be, be seated, but sit on the edge of your seat. We could easily and rightfully so talk about the miraculous nature of Jesus Christ here. It would be easy for us to focus upon the miraculous nature of who Jesus is, the compassionate miraculous nature of who Jesus is. But we could study the life of Jesus, the miraculous nature of Jesus over the next lifetime, if you will, and still not comprehend his majesty. But this narrative is so unique. And I do not even want you to focus upon the methodology that Jesus uses to bring about the miraculous. Because it is the message that Jesus is conveying that is more important than the method in which he uses to convey it. Let me say it this way. The message of Jesus is always more important than the methodology that he uses. Grab hold of that. The message that he conveys is always more important than the methodology that he uses. Now, what you need to understand is the message that Jesus is conveying here is our part that we play in the methodology. Mm. Hold on a second. You need to grab that. I need some help up in here today. Can I get some help? The message that Jesus is conveying through this narrative is the process that you play in the methodology. Because verse 32 says, and some people brought to him a deaf man who could hardly speak. And some people, some people, how many of you know in life sometimes we say, some people. <sighs> That's not what this narrative is about. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, some people. Some people, were it not for some people, the miraculous would have never been on display were it not for some people who were willing to bring a man who could not hear and barely talk to a Savior who could rescue them. Some people. Some people. The title of today's message is Some People. Look at your neighbor and say, Some People. Let me go one step further and say, Some People Serve People. Let me go with our mantra at Epicenter Church. Saved people serve people. Saved people serve people. Think about this with me for a moment. How often have we been saved from something, but later we forget what it is that we've been saved from? And when you forget what you've been saved from, it will minimize your responsibility to serve others. Ooh, that's good. That's good. When you forget what you've been saved from, you minimize the need to serve others. Think about it in context to this narrative. It says, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and who could hardly talk. At some point in time in the lives of some people, they had been impacted by the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Therefore, they knew that the very message that changed them would also change him. So that if they could get this man in front of Jesus, it didn't matter about the methodology because they knew that the message would change him. The Bible says some people 
And when I look at the methodology that Jesus uses to place his fingers into the man's ears and give him a wet willy, he spits and touches the man's tongue. It's one of those things where you're like, I hope Jesus brushed his teeth. We kind of get wrapped up in the methodology of this. But can I tell you something? The greatest part of the miracle is, if we're going to look at the methodology, is the fact that some people brought this man before a Savior who could heal him. Save people, serve people. And the message of Jesus Christ can change brokenness, but not without our involvement in the process. See, so often these people, let's call them some people, went at some point in time in their lives before a Savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Yeshua, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and their, their lives were impacted in such a way that they now know that he can change and help anyone. If we can only get this man who is deaf and cannot speak in front of Jesus, then he can heal him. But how often are we rescued from something and then later we see someone who's in the same position that we were rescued from, but we think that that's their problem. How often do we have God's hand, his, 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 his mighty outstretched hand to touch our lives, but when we see someone else who's in need and they can use our hand, we don't extend it because that problem and that issue is their issue. I know this is difficult to hear because it forces us to engage and to apply the gospel to our lives. And how are we interacting with the gospel? So the question that I have for you today, and you have to grab hold of this, is are you living out verse 32? And there some people brought to him. You can move it from the plural to the singular, and there he brought to him. Or make it more personal, and there Mark brought to him, and there Sarah brought to him, and there Jimmy brought to him, and, and there Fred brought to him. So often when we have a problem, we're so focused on that problem. It, it's at the center of our attention. But let someone else have that same problem, and that problem is their problem. Can I, can I get some help? Amen. So hold that thought, and, and let me take you back to this narrative. And, and let's explore the context in which Mark is writing. Understand the heart of Jesus. Because... In this narrative, Mark kind of defines for us, he's, he gives us great illustration. He's very articulate in his writing. And he tells us in verse 31 that Jesus went to the Decapolis. He tells us the travel habits of Jesus. If you read that verse and if you had a map of where Jesus was walking to, you would see that Jesus went way out of his way in order to wind up in the Decapolis. And the Decapolis is this region, if you will, this cluster of large cities that are under Roman rule. Therefore, they worship Roman gods. 
And because they worship Roman gods, they want to have nothing to do with the Messiah. But here is the Messiah coming because of this one man who is in need. And most theologians are all over the map when it comes to why would he go so far out of his way to go to the Decapolis. But many of them agree on one theme, and that is this. His compassion compelled him to go after one. Which reminds me of Psalms chapter 144 when David writes, God, you are my refuge, you are my rock, you are my fortress, and you will deliver me, and you have rescued me. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you could not rescue yourself, but then the righteous right hand of God reached down and lifted you up out of that miry clay. He set your feet upon the rock to stay. If you've ever experienced the compassion of Jesus Christ flooding into your life, then somebody give him a radical praise up in this place. When you could not, he could. When you thought you were down and out, he lifted you out. When you felt like you could not take another step, he ordered your steps. When you didn't feel like there was a way, he made a way. When you had no hope, he gave to you hope. Lord, somebody help me preach. When you were right in the middle of the storm, all of a sudden there came this peace that guarded your heart and your mind. When you found yourself in a down and out spot financially, there he was. Some people, some people brought to him, hang on a second, here's here's what I want to say before we move further. I, I love that he says some people. He does not say to us ministers from the first church, Assembly of God Church on the corner of Bragg Boulevard, he does not say the AMEZ Church, the First Apostolic Church, Missionary Overcoming Alliance, World Tabernacle Center Church, people, ministers came and brought to him some man. He does not say that. He does not say a group of religious leaders. He does not say that there were disciples who, who came and brought to him a man. He says there were some people. Mark is very specific in how he is, is, is giving us this message. He is showing us that these, these people were ordinary people, some people, some people who had been impacted by the gospel, and they realize now that this man can be impacted by the same gospel that changed them. Some people, some people who had had their hearts touched by God, and now they want to be the hand of God to bring people to the heart of God. Some people, some ordinary people, some moms, some dads, some business owners, some people, some students, some who have been impacted by the grace in such a way that they want to take others to that grace. Some people who have been flooded by the peace of God that now they're bringing somebody else to a Savior who can shine down upon them. Do I have some people up in this place? Do I have some people who are ready to expose others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Somebody look at your neighbor and say, some people, some people. So here you have this deaf dude. Some people have brought this deaf dude to, to Jesus, the recipient of this grace. The recipient of this grace, some people, I, I, we're so intrigued, if you will, by the compassion of Jesus, but I'm also intrigued by the compassion of some people. Because were it not for some people, the miraculous would not have happened in the Decapolis that day. Were it not for some people, the trip that Jesus made all around, if you will, would have been in vain. Some people. 
So they bring this man to Jesus, some people. When they bring him to Jesus, Jesus does something very strange. He places his fingers in the ears of this man. He spits. He touches his tongue. Now, before I get into the physical manifestation of this miracle, there is a spiritual connotation that Mark is trying to allude to. Notice the construct of the narrative. Mark says to us that there some people brought to him. But then in that very next part of the verse, it says in verse 33 that Jesus took him aside. Look at the narrative. It says that he took him aside. Not aside from some people who just brought him. It says very specifically that he took him aside from the crowd. There's a spiritual connotation here. There is a separation. Why would he take him aside from the crowd? Understand who the crowd is. The crowd are, is, is Roman citizens who are worshiping Roman gods. And now here is Jesus pulling him aside disconnecting him from all of these people who are unbelievers, who are believing that there's absolutely no way that this man can receive his, his hearing again or his ability to speak. So Jesus pulls him aside. I began to think about that and I thought, so many times as a pastor, I've heard people say, I just seem to not experience the hand of God. And if you've ever said that, to me before, please don't believe that this is just for you. It's for everyone. One of the reasons why we do not experience the hand of God in our lives is because we're not close enough to him and stay there long enough in order to experience the hand of God. It says, and they pulled him aside. Can I preach for a minute? One of the reasons why we do not experience the hand of God like we so desire is because we have not closed the gap. The gap is the distance in between our problem and our Savior. And the reason why we have not closed the gap is because it's a spiritual issue. It's an issue of pride. It's an issue of not having humility. And therefore, we stand there thinking that we can handle every bit of this, but yet we're still waiting on God. But yet we're so far away from Him that we can't experience the hand of God because we haven't closed the gap. We haven't removed ourselves and come aside with Jesus. There is this intimate connection with Jesus. You see, it's not about your, your, how high your IQ is. It's about your surrender. It's not about what you've succeeded at or what you've failed at. It's about how much you believe that Jesus can help you right where you are. It's not about what you cannot do. It's about what he can do. And when you release your pride and say, God, I cannot do this without you. I can't love without you. I can't live without you. I can't work without you. I can't sleep without you. I can't do this life without you. You see, the one who runs to Jesus when no one else sees, he will elevate him so that everyone sees that he is with him and for him this man had been down and out in the Decapolis for so long that nobody even paid attention to him and then some people some people picked him up and walked him to a savior who could save him when no one had ever recognized this man now Jesus has elevated him when you run to a Savior when no one else sees, He will elevate you so that everyone sees He's with you and for you. Some people. 
brought to him a man who was desperate, could hardly talk. I think about, I'm going to place you in the scene. Because that's how I interpret scripture. Like if I were there, Mike, what would I see? And I would have to think, man, the disciples are like, man, what in the world is going on? Because they've seen Jesus do some crazy outlandish miracles. All of the disciples have to be walking around saying, what in the world is Jesus going to do next? There, and they're like, what in the world is he going to do? They've seen all of these miracles that he's done, and what's he going to do now? Don't you know it was crazy to see Jesus walk on water? I mean, we read about it 2,000 years later, but come on. He stands up on the front of the boat, and he says, peace, be still, and then he goes back to his nap. Come on. You know, he looks at a lame dude and says, get up, roll up your mat, and go on home. You're healed. Guy's been paralyzed for his whole life. Come on. But this one is strange. And I have to think, what was Peter's response to this miracle? Because if you understand the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, is Peter's recollection of all of these miracles. In other words, Peter is telling the story through Mark's pen. And here's what's beautiful to me. I have to think the scene where Jesus pulls the man aside has to be something that Peter begins to think about years later when he writes, cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. That's the verse that we've been talking about for the last several weeks. To cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. Years later, after this experience, then Peter writes about it. Because he understands, hold on a second, there was a gap that had to be closed. Cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. And then I began to think, you know what, we've been talking about casting all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. But yet, you know, it's easy for us to say, God, take all of our pain, take all of our sorrow, take all of our difficulty. But why do we continue to carry it around? Then it hit me, you know what, we have a casting problem. Think about this with me for a second, Richie. Christy, think about this with me. If cast means to rip off of your shoulders and place upon the shoulders of Jesus, does that not mean that his shoulders have to be pretty close to us in order to do that? Oh, hold on, you're not catching this. So in other words, what Peter was saying after watching this story is that we've got to close the gap. You see, we have a casting problem. It's a spiritual problem. In order to cast off, we've got to be close enough to him. And the reason why the casting doesn't work for us is because we're not close enough to him in order to place it on his shoulders. So we've got to let go of it and say, God, we're going to let go of our pride because we can't do this without you. We're going to take our hands off of it. God, place you on the throne where you ought to be. And God, may you do everything that we cannot do because I can't eat without you. I can't sleep without you. I can't love without you. I can't forgive without you. There, some people, somebody say some people, there's some people brought to him, brought to him a man who could hardly speak. I think about this again, the methodology. He's placing his, his fingers in the man's ear, he spits, and he touches the man's tongue. I'd love to illustrate that. Do I have any volunteers? <laughs> no, that's okay. I don't need it. I'm just kidding. Okay. 
Think about this with me for a moment because we get so wrapped up in the methodology. But if you think about Jesus healed in so many different ways throughout his ministry. He healed people who, with a word, he healed people without a word. He healed people who asked to be healed. He healed people who didn't ask to be healed. He healed people who had faith. He healed people because of someone else's faith. The point is, it's not about the methodology. It's about the message. The message of Jesus is always more important than the methodology in which he uses. But what I love about this miracle is that Jesus adapted his method to what this man would understand in a physical sense. Because this man could not hear. So he could not just speak to him and and he could grab it. He could not hear. His tongue had to be loosed, so it had to be touched in a physical way. So here it's Jesus, you know, just licking his fingers, putting it in the man's ear, spitting and touching the man's tongue. And this was something that the man could understand. He adapted his method to what the man's need was. If that does not cause you to want to jump up and down, I don't know what will because he's an ever-present help in a time of need. And I want you to think about this. Some of you see God showing up for somebody else. Maybe it's because you're looking for him to show up the same way he did for them when he wants to use another method for you. So here, it's not about the methodology, but the message. And I need you to grab this. You see, Jesus had empathy for this man, not sympathy, empathy. Sympathy means to feel sorry for him. Empathy means that you can relate to the man's pain. Empathy compels us to be compassionate. Empathy means to to be compassionate enough to go out of your way in order to serve someone. After all, does the Bible not say that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to offer up his life as a ransom for many, even unto death on the cross? Some people brought to him a man who could hardly talk and was deaf. But there was something about verse 34 that grabbed my attention. Verse 34, let me read this. Verse 34 says, he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh, he said to him, It's the symbolism of prayer. Here is Jesus putting his fingers in the man's ear, spitting, touching the man's tongue, looking up to heaven, and he has a deep sigh. How many of you have had a deep sigh this week? Like, how many of you sometimes... Some people bring about that deep sigh. You know that sigh when we don't know what to do? That sigh when the wind's out of our sails? How many of you have ever experienced that again? Let me see your hands. Some of you just refuse to participate. So I said, well, what does this mean? So I looked up the word sigh in the Greek. And the word sigh in the Greek actually means to have this internal groaning that compels you to compassion. So it was not that Jesus didn't know what to do. It was not even that Jesus was worn out with the fact that 
no one else would pray for this man. It was none of those things. It was, it was the fact that Jesus came all the way to the Decapolis for one reason and one reason only, to connect with the soul, the heart, the spirit of this man in order that he might be healed so that he would walk away and, and, and be healed and restored. And the reason why he would walk away is because somebody else brought to him. So there was this deep sigh, compelled this inner groaning, if you will, and so as I was studying that particular word, there was a cross-reference that goes to Romans chapter 8, where Paul writes that when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us groaning, interceding on our behalf. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Hold on a second. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of us, bringing to us compassion from heaven. We don't know how to pray but there is this internal groaning the Holy Spirit within us and then it led me to another word because it cross-referenced the word intercession and then I thought hold on a second the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf when we don't know how to pray the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf when we don't know what to do the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf and then I thought isn't that exactly what Jesus was doing when he placed his fingers in the man's ears and he sighed so I looked up the word intercession you know what the word intercession means it means being committed to a rescue operation. In other words, when Jesus went out of his way to the Decapolis, it was because he was committed to going after the one who so desperately needed his grace. But were it not for some people, he would have never experienced the miracle that God had for him. So what I need you to know is when you're giving out that side because you don't know what to do, all you have to do is when you're giving out that side is lift his name on high. Because when you lift his name on high, you'll understand that he's everything that you're not. He has everything that you need. He'll lift you up, wipe your tears away, bless all of your endeavors. He'll walk you into what you need to walk into. Can I get somebody to help me? Get up on your feet and give God praise. When you are sighing, lift up the name most high God. His name is Jesus. His name is Yeshua. His name is Yahweh. His name is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on somebody, give him a radical praise up in this place. So when you're sighing, when you give out that sigh, just go ahead and turn it into praise. When you sigh, lift his name on high. It's his name that is above every other name. It's his name. None of it would have happened were it not for some people. my question for you today is are you some people are you some people are you 